You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 13. We're looking at verses 11 through 14 today. It's on page 1007 in one of those church Bibles somewhere nearby. Also, Ukrainians with the earpiece. I'm going to do this the best I can. Ukrainians, telegram. Okay, the translation microphone is missing. So uh, we've sent the translated manuscript to you on the Telegram group. If you go there, you'll have the manuscript. The ear thing doesn't work. And now we really need to see where the Tower of Babel is redeemed by Acts chapter 2, where they hear everything in their own language. (laughs) I'm very sorry. We will work on that for next week. It just isn't going to work. Telegram, though. If you're sitting next to another Ukrainian, just tell them to go to Telegram. The manuscript is there. Maria has sent it to all of you in the group. All right, Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. And by the way, we're going to hit pause after this uh, Sunday. And next Sunday for Field Up Families, we're going to move into a six-week series called Put on Christ. And it will actually walk through this in even more detail. Let's go ahead and take a look at God's Word together. Verses 11 through 14 says, Besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep, because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, as we walk through this word that you have given us, as we look at what it means to be Christians, to put on the armor of light, to put on Christ, God, just speak to us. Speak to us well. Help us to understand and transform us by the power of your word. Lord, I thank you that we can gather today to open your word and to hear it. But Lord, let us truly hear it and apply it to our lives. Help me to preach it and herald it as you would have it to be heard. And God, I just ask that we would be forever changed because we've sat under the preaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul has shifted gears here just a little bit. He says, besides this. That's his opener. He's been talking about how as Christians we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, that our mind is renewed and and transformed, and that's still the case. But he's basically saying, look, all those other things I've been talking about, there's more. It could say, besides those things, there's this. Or another way we could translate that is, and also this. So he's adding to our list of things. And I want to tell you, I'm, I'm very concerned here. This raises some some issues for me. I'm not, hear me, I'm not concerned about Paul. I'm not concerned about his words. But I am concerned about the state of the church today. At least the church in America, and, and sadly, probably many of us in here. Paul says in verse 11, Since you know the time, it's right there, it's easy, doesn't take translational gymnastics. Since you know the time. This is the reason he's giving for why we behave the way we do in this text. This is the justification. Because you know the time, because you know what time it is, then this. 
And what time is he referring to? What's he talking about? Now, there are a few possibilities. It could be the time when believers need to show their faith by their actions. It's time to walk the walk. It could be a time for the gospel heralding and the proclamation that the gospel needs to be shared. It could be that we're in the last time, the final epic in human history. It could be all of the above. It could be that the world is raging. There's all sorts of wickedness and problems. It could be all these things. It could be a combination of them. Whatever the time is, Paul's making it abundantly clear that something is about to change. Something is happening. It's time to wake up. That's what he's saying. It's time to wake up. The hour is here. No more snooze button. Wake up, sleepy heads. He illustrates this by saying the night is nearly over. The day is near. Verse 11. Wake up. That's his message. So why am I concerned? Because I think that the church today doesn't realize what time it is. I don't think we get it. I think the church is still sleeping. We're sleeping through the alarm bells. We're sleeping away. And by the time we wake up, it'll be too late. Be way too late. So yeah, I'm I'm concerned. I think that we should be concerned. I think that you should be concerned. And if you're not concerned, it might be because you're sound asleep. This is a warning for us. And Paul uses a pretty serious contrast to make the warning. Do you see the contrast? He's showing us the time for living in darkness is over and that we are supposed to be living in the light. It's a darkness-light contrast, a night-day contrast. The time for uh, living in what was is over and the time for putting on Christ is now. No more delay, no more hesitation, no more excuses. It's time. Let's look at these two contrasting situations, darkness and light, day and night, naked and ashamed or clothed in the armor of righteousness. Let's first start with the darkness, the night. Just take a look at it. Verse 13, Paul describes the night or the season with particular behaviors. His words are carousing and drunkenness, sexual impurity and promiscuity, quarreling and jealousy. Right? These are the examples of the deeds of darkness that he mentions in verse 12. That's what he's talking about. Do I, do I need to describe what Paul's talking about here? Do we not know what these things are? It's the, the stuff of the frat house, right? Greek row on the college campus. It's the late night adventures of kids who are out looking for trouble, right? Maybe. Is that all it is? No. That's not all it is. It's more than that, isn't it? We know it's more than that. Sexual impurity isn't reserved for the frat house and the pride parade. Click away. It's those lustful fantasies. It's those little pieces of the movie that we know we should skip, but we still watch. It's the weird little things that are just playing out in our mind that we know. We know what this is. Drunkenness isn't just for the college campus, right? We see that in our own lives all the time, and all around us. Even in the parent that goes, man, my my day with my kids was too much. I need an escape. I think I'll just have a few drinks and and put that over here. Man, work was a tough day. I think I'm just going to 
go down this road further than any. This is going to be where I find my peace. What about quarreling? What about quarreling? Isn't that the stuff of social media rants? Isn't that stuff with the bad review when you don't get the service you want at the fast food restaurant? How about the little fights we have with our spouse? Those little dumb things. The quarreling. Or even the fights we have with the imaginary enemies out there that we just play out in our mind. We're in a constant state of quarreling, battling, fighting. Sometimes we don't even know who we're quarreling with. It's just our our new nature, it seems. And how about jealousy? How dig do you have to deep? How dig how deep do you have to dig to find your jealous tendencies? Man, I wish I had that. That covetousness. That my life isn't what it should be. I want a different life. I want different stuff. If only I had that, then I'd be content. But I can't be content if I don't have it. Right? I think we can find all these things real close, can't we? We don't have to go to the college campus. We don't have to go to all those other places. They're all right here. They're in our homes. And they're in our cars. And they're in our workplaces. Because they're in our mind and in our heart. They're in us. We take them everywhere with us, don't we? We want to think that what Paul is talking about is the stuff that happened before we were Christians. Oh, that was back then. That was all the time before, but, but we're okay now, right? It, it's, this, this isn't about us, is it? This is about back then, the old us. But who's Paul writing to? Who's Paul's original audience? And who's Paul's audience today? Christians. Paul's talking to Christians. He's talking to us. This is why we should know the time. You know what time it is. In fact, he says, since you know the time, because you know the time, Paul is assuming that his reader knows what time it is. So I think we should start there. Let's see if we know what time it is. Is this now, is today A time when believers need to show our faith by our actions. Is now a time we need to do more than talk the talk, but walk the walk. More than just wear the t-shirt, but actually live it. Is now a time for that? Is now a time when your neighbors and your family members and your co-workers need to hear the gospel? Or does everybody know? Everybody okay? Or or does the gospel need to be proclaimed? Is now a time? Is now a time when we're in the last days, the final epoch of history? And by the way, the answer to that is yes. Not because of some sign you see out there. It's been yes since Jesus ascended. And it will stay yes until he returns. These are the last days according to the Bible. Is now a time when great wickedness is raging in the world? Do we see that? Is now the time? Do we see evil and sin today? I see a lot of you nodding your heads. Yeah. So what you're saying is you know the time. Now's the time. So what Paul is saying to us applies to us today, right now. So it's time to wake up. Our salvation is nearer today than when we first believed. The instruction he's given us here is to discard the deeds of darkness. Discard the deeds of darkness. 
The word from which we translate discard has two meanings. Uh, the first meaning is to put away, to put aside, or to rid yourself of. To just get all that away from you. Okay, that's, that's the meaning that, that Peter uses in 1 Peter 2.1 when he says, Rid, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Okay, the other way this word gets used is a word for just taking off a garment or taking off a, an article of clothing. And the simplest way we see the word used is when Luke uses it in Acts 7.58 when he says the Pharisees, like they took off their garments and they laid them on Saul. Saul washed their clothes while they went ahead and proceeded to stone Stephen to death. Here, which really confuses the, the lexicons and the linguists, Paul uses this in both ways. He's using it in both, which we don't normally do with words. But first he says, discard the deeds of darkness. Either like get, put, get, put all that stuff away from you. Get rid of that. Move it away. Put it aside. Rid yourself of the deeds of darkness. Okay, we get that. But then he goes further and then he creates this interesting illustration where he says, put on, which is the opposite, and duo, the armor of light. So put that stuff away from you, but then put on like a garment. So he's like, take this off, put this on. He says, put on the armor of light. And then he says it again in verse 14. Put on, but this time he says Christ. Paul's using the same imagery and wording in Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 5. I'm not going to read all of that, but specifically there he says, take off, discard your former way of life the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and the purity of the truth. That's Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. I think most of our problem today for us, for Christians, is not a lack of putting on Christ. I think we want to do that. I think we want to make an effort. I think our problem is we haven't taken off the old self. We still hold on to the deeds of darkness. We have an undergarment of stink and stench that we're trying to put Christ on top of. It's like the guy downtown in the middle of summer trying to wear five shirts and two jackets. It just doesn't work. I think that's what we're doing. We have these stinky undergarments, and then we don't understand so what does it really mean to take off the old self? What does it mean to discard the deeds of darkness? Well, verse 13 tells us. It tells us what some of the deeds are. The deeds are carousing, drunkenness, sexual impurity, promiscuity, quarreling, and jealousy. Now, those are examples, and they're good ones. Colossians 3, 5 through 9 says, Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And then here's a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away, there's that same word again, all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So we have this growing list, don't we? You're hearing this list. It's just building all these, these gross things that we're supposed to put off, that we're not supposed to wear. Are some of those things on the list on your list? 
Do you have some things on this list that you might need to put off today? That you need to discard? Ephesians 4.22 gives us a little bit of the recipe. So it's nice to have the list, but it's even better to have the recipe. What builds the list? What's the foundation for this? Ephesians 4.22 gives us a bit of that. It says, take off, same stuff, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. It's those deceitful desires that create this list. All the things on the list are the fruit of your deceitful desires. Our old self is corrupted. This is the sin nature that we inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve. They sinned. They introduced this corruption into the very makeup of of what became humanity, not how God created humans, but what they did to corrupt that image when they disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And then, like we see in Genesis 5, all their kids just come out in their image, which is first in the image of God, plus this corruption. And so now these deceitful desires that we have is something that we're born with. It's just in us. We have it. And then we act on that sin nature, that deceitful, corrupted nature, and then these things become the deeds of darkness even in our own life. But Jesus has made it possible that we can take off the old self. Because in reality, he actually does it for us. Do you realize that? We're commanded to do it, and we really can't. He does it. He does it. He takes it off. How does he do this? This is Colossians 2, 11 through 14. Here's how Jesus takes off our old garments. He says, You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Okay, that's all kind of complex language when. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He's doing all this. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. That's what it says. How did he do it? He took it off you. He said, give me that, and hammered it to the cross. When you said, I want to be yours, Jesus, he said, I'll take care of all of it. He does it. If you believe this, The Bible says if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is in his word, and you say, hey, you do it. You be the Lord. Have it your way. Enough of how I'm doing it. You do it. You don't want to do this that way? You want to take that nail? You do it, Jesus. The Bible says if you do that, you can call yourself a Christian, and he will save you. He will take off that old self. He will nail it to the cross, and he will forgive you. And above and beyond that, he will give you his self of righteousness to put on you. If you're not a Christian, if this isn't you, if this doesn't describe you, I'd love to chat with you more about it. I'd love to just show you what the Bible says about how you can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, how this can be a description of you too. Come talk to me after the service, make an appointment. I'll buy you lunch. Let's go chat. Or talk with the person you came with or open the Word of God. This is important. It's important. Okay, so not only do we need to take off the old self, notice what Paul says in verse 14. He says, don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Man, I think we need to hear that. 
because I don't think we do this very well. Don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not whatever makes you happy. It's not just follow your heart. It's not, hey, this is going to be great. It's all party on all the time. It's not that. This says don't do that. You could say it in another way. It said don't afford yourself the opportunities to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't put yourself in that position. We get ourselves in trouble when we do that, don't we? Because it's not as Christians that we're you know, making plans to sin. I don't know that any of you are like, I got this great plan. I'm excited to go out and do some sinning. We don't plan like that, but neither do we plan ahead to prevent those sorts of things from happening. We don't remove ourselves from the opportunity. We don't even think about it sometimes. We don't stop and say, wait a second, are there sin landmines here? Am I going to step on a landmine and blow myself to smithereens here? Is there a problem if I... We don't stop and think, where could the danger be? And so in essence, we're almost making plans to desire the gratifications instead of saying, hey, I want to do something different. You know where those sin landmines are in your life, don't you? I think we all do. We know where the dangerous ground is. So what we need to do is make a plan to stay away from those things, to get out of the minefield. That might be really beneficial to all of us if we just took a little time to think about how we could avoid some of those things. I think all of us have a layer or two of the old self on us. I think all of us still have some things that need to be shed. I think all of us know where we need to put the sign and hammer it in the ground, danger minds. I think we know that. I don't think this is, I don't think this is complicated. I don't think this is for lack of, of not having the knowledge. So what's the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear right now? I mean, what are you hearing right now? Just, what do you need to deal with this morning? My encouragement is you give it to Jesus. And you let Jesus deal with it today. He said, Jesus, have your way with me. Take that, nail it to the cross. And when he's doing that, don't go, what? but I like that one. Just let it go. Let him deal with it. You know what time it is. Now is the time. But it's not just about discarding the deeds of darkness. If we did that, we'd just be moralistic. It'd be whatever. It's not just about getting rid of and shedding the old self. We've got to put on the armor of light. It's an exchange. You discard the one so that you can take on the other. We've got to put on the armor of light. We've got to put on Christ. So look at verses 12 and 13. It says, The night is nearly over. And the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime. And then it goes on, but I want to jump to verse 14. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Did you, did you catch the... There's a connection. Did you get it? Between putting on the armor of light and putting on Jesus Christ. Did you see that? They are one and the same. Christ is the armor. You're putting on the armor that actually protects you from the deeds of darkness. And what is the armor? The armor is Jesus. Jesus is the armor. From the very opening of the book of John, you might have these verses ringing in your ear. John 1, verses 4 and 5 say, In him was life. Talking about Jesus. In him was life. And that light was the light of men. And the light that shines in the darkness, that light shines in the darkness. And yet... The darkness did not overcome it. 
Or maybe you're thinking about 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. It says, For you are all children of light. Talking about Christians who've been adopted into God's family. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We don't belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. How does putting on Christ serve like armor? I mean, how is that like protection? Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 teach about the armor of God. The armor is this. It's truth, righteousness, readiness for the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Like Think about these God-given gifts that we get through the life of Christ. Right? Truth, righteousness, readiness for the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. These are the transforming things of the Christian life that Jesus gives us, that he brings us, that he provides for us. These are the things that set us apart from the world. These are the things that transform us. So it makes sense that Paul, in our text in Romans, could just simply say, put on Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to get into all that detail. We already know. It's all good stuff. Put on Jesus Christ. His illustration is that we wear Jesus like a garment, right? And we're all inside the garment, right? And so when people look at us, they don't see us, they see Christ. Because the old self is off and Christ is on. That's what they see. I don't know about you, but I want to put on this garment of Christ like he's a great, big, all-over-me, armor, giant, fluffy bathrobe with a hood. Right, the, so like I'm just all consumed and inside Christ. We almost can't even see me. Maybe just two little eyes looking out. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I want. I want to be swallowed up in Jesus Christ and conform to Him. There's something else here about being encouraged to put on Christ, which we're going to look at this in a lot of detail for the next few weeks. But I want you to see this one. It's not just an individual thing. We love our individualism. We love to call the shots, have it our way, be served, be the the standard by which everybody else should think. We love being individuals, but this shows us that it's something so much larger than our individual walk with Jesus Christ when we put on Christ. I'll share it this way. I can't think of another way to describe it. I remember the very first time I put on my Class A uniform in the Army after the school. I'm out in public. I'm in the real world, and I have the, my Class A uniform on with all my other, you know, my brothers in arms. And suddenly I realized I represent something. I represent all those guys. And I represent a lot more than just those guys. I represent all the servicemen and women around the whole world who wear this armor, this uniform, and serve a bigger purpose. And I realized something else. I don't only just serve all of the men and women in the service right now, I represent the history of this uniform, which is why the uniform contains so much history. On my uniform, I had unit patches, some of, unit uh, awards, some of which the unit earned before I was born. 
You're part of a team. I have patches that identify me as part of a team. Right? Other patches that identify what I've done with a team. Most of the stuff on the army uniform is not individual. It's part of a team. And I represent that. And I represent what it stands for. And I represent its mission. And I represent its purpose. And all I had to do was put it on. It's an interesting feeling. If you've ever experienced it, it's hard to describe. It's significant, but it should pale in comparison to what it should feel like when we put on Christ and represent the kingdom of the living God. There's no comparison. Now, here's the other thing that happens when you put on that Class A uniform. When you wear that uniform and you represent the army, there are certain things you can do in that uniform that would bring tremendous discredit to the, your unit, to the army itself, and even to our nation. There are things you can do that do not represent the military well. When you do them in your uniform, it's exactly what happens. How much more so is that the case when you wear Christ? the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when you say, I am his ambassador and I now represent the kingdom of God, there are things we can do, certainly, that discredit Christ. And we need to be very mindful of that. But how do you put on Christ? Like that's, These are weird statements. It's just weird. How do you do it, right? Well, first, it comes from and by and through repentance. Right? What we're talking about here is repentance. When you're putting off the old self, you're saying, I don't want that. I don't want to do that that way. That's not who I am any longer. That stuff must die. Light it on fire. Bury it in the ground. Because I've been raised with Jesus, and I now wear his jersey, his uniform. I look like him. I represent him. That's what we're talking about. This is repentance. Repentance, despite common Christian vernacular, is not just constantly saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not the same as seeking forgiveness. Repentance is mortifying your sin and living for Jesus Christ. It's a complete turn. That's what repentance is. And that's what we're doing when we put on Christ. Say, I'm going to trust your ways. I'm going to do it your way. That's the first way we do it. Second, it comes by sacrifice. It comes by sacrifice. You know why the, the military uniform sort of has this sense of respect? Because of how many men and women who've worn it and sacrificed greatly, even to the point of giving up their lives for you and me. But this sacrifice is so much bigger than that, and it's not a sacrifice we do. It's a sacrifice that Christ has done. Christ died. Christ made the sacrifice. He's the Passover lamb. He did it. It's sacrifice, and we see a really beautiful picture of this all the way back to the very first time Adam and Eve sinned. They tried to hide their sinful flesh. They were naked and ashamed, and they wanted to clothe themselves. And what did they do? They put on a bunch of leaves. Should have been poison ivy. That would have taught them a lesson. <laughs> they tried to hide themselves in the clothes of their own making that they fashioned themselves that were just blatantly terrible. And God knew that was never going to work. It was never sufficient. So he killed an animal or animals to make for them clothes out of, I mean, I guess leather. They were wearing leather clothes. But they had animal, an animal had to die for them to be clothed. That in their shame and in their nakedness, they could be covered. And today we're covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We're covered by his sacrifice. Our shame is covered We're clothed in that sacrifice, and it's not one of our making. 
It's that of Jesus Christ. And third, when we put on Christ, we're actually taking on his name. I hope you really put some thought to this. You're taking on the family name. You've been adopted into his family. You represent the family. You're in the family business. You're in the family home. You're in the family inheritance. You've taken on that name. And I think we get a little picture of this, a small picture of this in our world. All I have to say is the Rockefellers. You already know exactly what I'm thinking, what I'm talking about. You went to the same thoughts. That's a name. Or we could go a different way. Bush. We've had two presidents of that name in that family. Clinton. Right? These things have names. How much more so is the name of Christ, the name above every name, the only name by which we can find salvation, the only name with actual power, Jesus Christ. And when you put on Christ, you're actually taking on that name. That's what it is to be a Christian. You've taken on that name. And it's the only name of any real significance. And when people see us as Christians with that name, we should represent Christ in that way. They should see Christ. We should look like the name of the family we belong to. That's what all this means, to put on Christ. I'm just going to conclude with this. We're going to get into a big, lengthy, like six-week thing, more details of how to do this, what it looks like. I want to encourage that you, you plan on being here starting next week. I just want to encourage that you walk with us through this journey. But I'll say this. The old self and the new self should be as different as night and day. As far as east is from the west... They should be absolutely polar opposites. Night and day cannot coexist in the same space and the same time any more than our sinful actions and deeds can coexist with Christ in our redeemed life. Paul is calling us, brothers and sisters. He's calling us, Christians. He's calling upon us to wake up and live for the day, live in the light. So it's time to leave the darkness It's time to let go of any of the little things you're still holding on to. Any of the the, the desires that feed that. Any of the old self garments. It's time to put those to death, to walk away from that darkness, and to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, there's a, a charge here to put on Christ. It's a command. It's time to do that. It's time to do that now because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you mortify sin. I thank you for the sacrifices that you've made. I thank you for the the shed blood of your son that would, would bathe over us, that would mark us as your people, that would protect us, that would show us to the world as your representatives and ambassadors, Lord, that, would, that you would see, that you would not see the old dead in the ground buried self, but you would see Christ on us. I thank you for that salvation. But Lord, I also know a lot of us are still holding on to some of those things from our old self. It's just the sin nature we, we wrestle with. So God, help us. Help us to continue to mortify those sins, to put them to death, to bury them in the ground. Help us to put on Christ every day. Help us to stay out of the minefields that that just destroy and shipwreck our lives. I'm asking, Lord, that you would please help us to see the work that you're doing in our lives and praise you for it, to remember what you've done on the cross, 
and give ourselves over to that and just let go of all the other, the, all the other stinky, gross garments. Lord, please, we, we need you and we need your help. Lord, just clothe us in your righteousness and let us just enjoy just the, the coziness of that as you've intended. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.